This podcast is brought to you by DC Music Publishing. Find out more at dcmusicpublishing.co.uk. Hello, and welcome to the Behind the Music Business podcast. My name is Danny Champion. I run a small music publishing company called DC Music Publishing, and I've been doing this music business interview-based podcast since 2018. I talk to a whole range of people throughout the music industry about what they do and why they do it, hopefully to give a bit of insight for those who want to get into the industry, but also those already in the industry looking to find out who to reach out to, where to get their next opportunity from. Uh, This week's conversation is with producer, engineer, mixer, uh, mastering engineer, YouTuber, George Lever. I reached out to George uh, back in February, I think, or maybe January of this year, and we had our conversation in February um, when he was still on a slight bit of downtime uh, between uh, mixing and mastering and engineering projects. Uh, So that's how he managed to fit me in. Um, I reached out as a fan of many of his projects over the past few years and so it was really great when he said yes that he'd be up for having a chat. Uh, We discussed his current job, his process, how he likes to work with artists who are on the up and how he likes to develop music and just his general viewpoints on where music is going and specifically where heavy music is going. We also talked about his relationship with music education and his YouTube channel and where he wants to take that side of his business next. Um, It was a really interesting conversation, really appreciate him giving me the time because he's a very, very busy individual at the moment. Uh, So, without further ado, here is my conversation with George Lever. Has 2022 begun for you? Quietly. Yeah? Yeah. The industry is still asleep. It's still December as far as they're concerned. Mm -hmm. When do you think or when are you likely to start seeing things really ramp up for your side of things? Mm, Probably April. Yeah? So, yeah, normally December through till like mid-February is when it's like quiet it's the last few years i've had albums booked in for january but that's really rare mm-hmm. uh, s- simply because those albums have come through as a result of projects that i've developed right so i've been interwoven with the scheduling process and i've gone this is if you want more of my time this is the point in in the year to you to utilize because mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not in demand at that point because everyone's still um asleep post like new year's uh, but this year, I, um, because of coronavirus changing everything, for the most part, this year's been <laughs> pretty, yeah, been pretty quiet. 
and but I'm okay with that. It it will be different in the summer. It will be worse in the summer. As in worse, quieter in the summer, or no, worse as in no. too busy, won't be able oh, to won't be able I, to think. I, I can guarantee you that in July I'll probably be working on four albums okay. in one go. How does if, that, from a things... from a project management perspective, how do you find that working on four completely separate projects all at one all in one go? Are you really good at compartmentalizing those sorts of jobs? Well, yeah, I'm fine because for me those records typically are, albums are normally pretty poorly managed anyway. <laughs> so anything anything better is an improvement and moves better and i don't mind it because um i don't need to be present for everything all the time in one go uh i just need to be present for the moments that i can influence right so what what are you what do you tend to because obviously a producer is a lot of things so um what do you tend to focus on specifically are you are you kind of overseeing other people doing doing the main kind of engineering work or are you jump jumping in on projects and doing kind of a little bit of mixing here a little bit of mastering there a little bit of bits and pieces just working on certain instruments just working on certain tracks um well my understanding of producer doesn't mean that okay um a producer is someone that takes something that already exists in demo form and helps take it to a next stage of translation from the original idea to the end point but okay. it doesn't a producer doesn't always mix no. and a mixer doesn't always produce so i the reason why i step in on that is because uh, that those job titles have been bastardized over the last couple of years and if it, if you say you produce something they think you did fucking everything right and you may yeah, not yeah. have and you can really offend other people by doing that because there can be other people's jobs involved in, you know, if you don't attend to it, then mm -hmm. you're being an arsehole. So um, depending on what I'm needed for, what I'm asked to do mm -hmm. is what I do. So some people need more, some people need less. Some people only need me to help them get to the end result, which means I mix their records. Um, some people need help realizing um what their goals are and what's available to them within their time and budget in order to get as close to that realization as possible um and sometimes it's probably just therapy <laughs> so Why? Why the music industry? What brought you here in the first place? Um, you've had other jobs. There was a there was a, a brief foray in graphic design beforehand. So, what kind of brings you to the last decade or so? Accidents. <laughs> it's always you. The amount of these podcasts that the answer to that is happy accident. Mm hmm. I was good at graphic design. I just yeah. hated the clients. Um, because it was one one that I had where that was like nail in the coffin was where I was working with someone on a rebrand and they uh, this lady turns around and goes I don't know why I'm paying you so much anyone can hold a pencil that's nice of her yeah so I gave her the pencil and I walked out <laughs> I can imagine yes 
I was like, oh, okay. Cheers then. See you so, so you're obviously finding that the clients are much more enjoyable to, to work with um, at the moment. N- at the moment. I think at this point, I mean, because at the point that I'm at in my career, I have a really lopsided view of how people interact with me now because there's a modicum of respect as a result of the last few records that I've done right before that point and as a result of that I get treated with a lot more respect than I used to okay because my my work has that perceived value but I'm still the same person so at the moment talking to people is really easy because they know who I am and I don't really have to do a lot of selling I can just talk about music Mm -hmm. um Back then, back then, three years ago, four years ago, it was a bit different. And people are still people. Uh But when, I think with music, we all know what we know, right? So there's uh, very little posturing about, I know how to do this. Because if you you don't, it shows very quickly if you don't know how to record or don't know how to songwrite, you know. So it's a bit, it's... um, just a bit less bullshit i think which makes it easier you brought up a a few things already that i want to kind of drift back with and one of the ones was there was kind of was was the networking side of things and some of the stuff that i've listened you speak about recently you're quite outspoken uh seemingly quite passionate about forging relationships building networks and things like that um, and you've also just said that that's a damn sight easier for you now than it ever was when you yeah. first began. So how did you go about doing that before it was easier now? What was your techniques? How did you how did you get to the point where you were able to to put your stamp on those records that have have opened opened some doors that might have already might have been closed a few years ago? I'll give you an example from my I, I mm. hate networking. I am not built for it. Um, I, I, I've, I've said this a few times on this podcast, actually. My, my first proper, proper job in a synchronization department, when I wasn't an intern, when I wasn't an assistant, when the, like, the buck stopped with me, I went to an event in London and I walked into the, into the, into the sync event. Uh, there was lots of music supervisors in there. The whole point of it was to network, to... To, to talk to people and things like that. I walked up to the bar, I bought a drink, I stood there in silence, drinking my drink, looking at somebody who might have not been talking to someone, but there wasn't, I finished my drink and I left because I just wasn't comfortable in that situation. Now I, I managed to find my way through that uh, hurdle I guess and one of the ways that I'm doing that is through this weird thing that I started up in 20, 2018 uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel much more confident in these one-to-one situations talking to someone that I've never met before uh, sure. and not needing to be on the cell not thinking like I'm coming across like I'm on the cell it's just it's a learning curve it's a hey we haven't met before um, who are you how have you got to where you are today? And I'll tell you a bit about me, et cetera, et cetera. So as I said, I kind of, I've, I've learned to, to navigate my, uh, my flaws 
uh, the things that I'm not necessarily comfortable with, but also to try and uh, find ways in which doors have opened for me. So I'm always, always <laughs> curious about how others have, have done that for themselves, especially in other areas of the music business that operates slightly yeah. differently. Yeah, it does operate differently because you're not, you're not marketing. You're not, <clears throat> you're not selling like an American in our industry. It's not, we're not talking about volume. We're talking about investment. Mm-hmm. And I, it's difficult because I, I, like, I do all these, like these lessons and these one-to-ones at the moment because I've got spare time so I can teach people. Mm-hmm. And I get asked, this, this question has come up like eight out of 10 of the lessons so far. So most people will ask, how do I get more business? And um, I spend quite a lot of time with them going through that that's not the right question to be asking. Mm-hmm. More often than not, most people are already doing enough. They're just not utilizing what they're already doing to the greatest extent. So there's a lot of waste in energy that's going on or mm-hmm. waste in their current network or market. And <clears throat> the reason why I say this is because for me, I was brought up around my dad. Um, my dad's job for the longest time that I can remember was teaching companies how to sell effectively. Right. So I don't know what I do. I just talk. Okay. And, and that's it. All, all I do is I use those conversations to understand and evaluate whether as soon as possible, whether they care about that conversation. Mm-hmm. And if they don't care, I don't invest into it. If they care, then you go a bit further and see what their ambition is and see if it lines up with yours. Most of the time, people are focusing on, they're treating selling themselves like selling blocks of time or units or hours at a job trying to fulfill a nine to five rather than focusing on, and that might be their goal, which is fine, but I had a different goal when I started. And so I didn't have to fill a clock in clock out sheet with communication or leads or anything. I just had to remember the points of interesting conversations that I had and whether they were going to stick with that person I was talking to or move on to the next person. Okay. And that was about it. And you've just gradually, you found the people who are worth, who are worth talking to and who wants to have the same conversations. Right. You said that you know you, you've you've worked on a few jobs, which means that people now contact you and say, "Are you free to work on this project?" Um, but you've also said that you've worked on projects where you've been kind of heavily invested in the in the development side of things. Now yeah. working on a on an artist that's much earlier in their in their gestation period in their in their journey. Um, mm-hmm. Do you still take pride and take time in A and Ring in seeking out? undiscovered talent that you would like to work with do you still reach out to those um lesser known acts because you want to work with them because you've heard something in them uh that you would like to kind of pull out and and put your your stamp on or you want to be able to to help them realize maybe what they haven't realized yet well, I think looking at my discography kind of suggests that that's all I do. Um, 
I would say it's it's there's a there's a happy balance. Looking at your discography, you've got you know you've got the likes of of Loathe and Sleep Token and Holding Absence in there, and even uh, bands like Woven War from the States and Here's Legend, one of my faves, um, that I would perceive as you know they are in in the scene that they are in they are established well-known yeah, those two are yeah acts um and then you've got a load of other stuff that you've been working on recently i've got them in front of me here um kubrick in fear forlorn urses a few of those bands are, are from from here i actually taught yeah. a couple of the guys in urses a couple of years ago in bristol so it's always nice to kind of see see where those kind of guys are going so i can i i see i see you as as straddling those worlds i see you okay. as still really passionate about building on the unknown but also you are working on stuff and your name is synonymous with this area of the business as well so it's kind of i guess i guess that you know that the guess my answer to the to, uh, would be that it's probably the area that you're most passionate about working with the kind of the the, the up and coming bands. Is that a, is that a good guess? I'll put yes, but <laughs> and then asterisk. Yeah. Um. It's really difficult to say just like block yes or no okay. to something like that, yeah. but because um, like I have aspirations to. Achieve achieve certain goals that i keep to myself mm -hmm. which can't be done through development alone but there are things that i achieve through development that i can't do through aspiring to the level that i wish to proceed on to mm -hmm. um the development stuff is interesting but it's hard because i feel for the bands that go through it because they end up spending quite a lot of money in order to just find out whether it's viable or not um and it's often quite a big ask in order for them to understand that in order to do something new and uh, potentially risky, but it's also not really been heard before, you have to dedicate time and resources in order to do it. And you have to treat it like a startup. And not everyone, and this is why the but asterisk comes in. Yeah, yeah. So not everyone has that capacity or that aspiration in order to be able to understand that there are only two types of bands there are bands that don't and then, then there are bands that will yeah and um i was in one of i was in many bands that didn't <laughs> yeah but but that's also like it's a generational thing that the the way that bands can operate now and use media that surrounds them at the moment far defeats anything that i had access to when i was in a band and had i had access to that and this is this is the bit that kills me is is the mismanagement of it currently with media in general so it's, we're talking about mainly music videos and outreach mm -hmm. from the point of release that i would say that 90 percent of the bands that do release material do not utilize what they've released effectively at all it's normally just chucking a song out into the world and then going all right let's see how that does wait wait yeah. for the wait for the streams to roll in yes yeah and nothing and you can design a campaign to work by 
by default if if you manage it well mm-hmm. uh, but again it resources time and money and these are the things that i work with with the people that i yeah, outside of music because the music is the easiest part to do funnily mm-hmm. D- designing something to work or have a, a higher success rate is the hard part because you have to teach people something that you intuitively feel okay um and that's the hardest part because i i can oh, i can feel uh something is going to happen like in in my core in my bones and then i have to find a way of verbalizing what that is um i think kubrick is the best example of that so far because i think he's done on his first two releases on his own channel so let alone he's not he's not put it on a dream bound or anything like a playlist he's done well over twenty-two thousand views per video uh-huh. so far and he's got three to four hundred subscribers on that channel and he did some of the right things i'm not saying that he did anything wrong it's just uh i'm not his manager so i can't sit with him and and go through a checklist but he and i had those conversations and he's like that's those are high numbers for a 400 sub channel but they're they're excruciatingly high Mm -hmm. it's it's got a really high land rate and it's really promising for the future and if he continues that there's no reason why as a result of those numbers without having played a show that a label won't offer absolutely and he won't have played a gig Mm-hmm. And that's that's the part of the industry that is fascinating at the moment because the 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 show is the bonus. Yeah. Playing gigs used to be the staple, so YouTube is replacing gigging. Mm-hmm. If they had an issue with people being introverted before coronavirus put us in our houses they're going to have a harder time getting people out of the house because now we're all excruciatingly introverted now um it doesn't matter the last time the industry had a panic attack like that was when uh, myspace existed Mm -hmm. and no one bought cds and it took them a decade to figure out how to sell otherwise Mm -hmm. And this is where we've landed. And this is, and this, the, I mean, there are, and the reason why it's outstanding is there are, I don't even know what the genre is called. It's, it's, an, it's an extension of trap. It's basically trap music with screaming over the top. Yeah. So I don't know what it's called. But there are artists out there that independently fund their own music. They get millions of streams. And I think it's per million streams on YouTube, you get around about seven to 8,000 in revenue and they drop a song every couple of weeks mm-hmm. what well, i've never heard of anyone making any money in music <laughs> at, a lo- at a low level let alone every couple of weeks being like i feel like earning seven grand now and just putting out another song and that song costs two grand to do music video probably another two so you're you're earning three maybe four yeah. every time you drop something and that's not even including revenue boosts and merch sales you can't do that at a gig. You can sell a lot more merch at a gig, though. That is said, but you have to have the fan base in order to do it. So it's all. You have to be able to get the gig as well. You know, sitting down yeah. and talking to people in that sort of space is about, you know, oh, yeah, all we need is a, a booking agent. Yeah, but well, booking yeah, agents well, the just want sh- ticket sales. Well, 
The reason why live shows worked before is because they had no other way of listening to music. The only way of listening to music was to go to where the music was. Mm-hmm. Now we have, we can, we can take a dump and listen to music <laughs> anytime we want. And that, and the problem, and the reason why um, booking promoters hate that, I would guess, is because they don't see any of the revenue from that. But music is far more interwoven into society now than it ever was. So the reason why we sold so many more gigs and there was so much craze around it, around it, it's because they had no other choice apart from to have a record player. And even then that was not enough. And they sold out of vinyls. And then you had what those, uh, those X-ray copies and all this other stuff. Um, it's just, it's just an evolution. So now you generate the mass hysteria and the hype that you would have had before for shows through other means in order to generate more people going to the shows. And actually that is typically the genuine fans that end up going rather than tire kickers. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't get people, you know, you don't get walk-ins. If you're going to a show, you're going to that show because the band yeah. that you want to go and see there. And if you get lucky and the support band is great, or as a support band, if you get lucky and the people in the audience are caring enough about the other bands that they didn't buy a ticket to see, then you've you've kind of sure. you've you've benefited from that show. Where are you where are you discovering music? The most. Um, it's now at a point where I don't have to because people show me stuff. Okay. <laughs> and is that is that still is that just yeah you're just getting sent link after link after link after link. No, of... it's more well I kind of like have I have my inner circle yeah. my friends, and they know my tastes yep. and they'll just be like, there you go, there's a thing, and then that will be the thing that I listen to for a bit. But I don't tend to listen to an awful lot of music. Okay, what are you listening to? What are and I don't as in that's not music. What do you? Are you a podcast listener? Are you know? Do you go down that road for for entertainment? Yeah, I did. Um, with the amount that I'm doing talking, or I'm on the phone, or I'm doing lessons now, I just kind of find anything that is sound pretty invasive. Okay. Uh, at the moment so normally if i'm listening to music it's whatever is on the pa at the gym and then whatever is on radio five in the car Mm -hmm. and then um and then i'm home and i'm like i'll just i'll tell the home pods to shuffle all music and it will be whatever turns up but more or less like and i say it with like as much uh, consideration to people's efforts as possible. It's really rare I hear something that I've not heard before. And it's quite um, difficult to to do something genuinely uh, new, innovative yeah. in twenty twenty two. I think it's well. I mean, like, well, we we probably said the same thing ten years ago, but <laughs> um, I think it's for me. It's just that I've my interest now is about fusion so it's about what can i bring metal is established in some shape or form of mm-hmm. what its core device is what can be brought to the table that is acceptable that hasn't been done before and what shape can that take on uh, and that can be song structure dynamics other genres combinations of instruments whatever tones textures computer game ideas um and the one that i've spent a lot more time listening to as a result of this is uh, drum and bass 
okay. at the moment because uh, I didn't usually used to get on with electronic music at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't respect it, and that was my fault. I didn't get on with it. That was my fault. Um, and I've just spent more time. I spent more time trying to understand and appreciate why, not not the punters, but why the people that make it love it in the way that they do because if anything people that love drum and bass really really love drum and bass like really avidly love drum and bass and that's it's pretty rare in music to be like that incessant on something like that in itself like they love drum and bass the way that i love coffee okay and i I really love coffee (laughs) i really love good coffee and um to the point yeah, so I, I've spent time with uh, just recently hanging out, talking with other drum and bass producers and being suggested things. And Because I know like top level what would be considered like um, commercial drum and bass, but I wouldn't know what is actually like roots mm-hmm. level drum and bass. Yeah. Um, so that's been interesting. And it's just about I'm, a, I'm immersing myself in that idea to see what can be... Cause what can be ported over or if anything can be ported over because i think it can i just haven't figured out what those elements would be or how that would be interwoven but you can imagine it because they're both pretty heavy Mm -hmm. more or less at the same tempo and they're almost completely groove or riff orientated so it should work it's just how i mean there's obviously been bands throughout the years that have kind of smushed the two together in some way shape or form usually either oh this is drum and bass with a little bit of guitar music influence in it or this is guitar music that's got a little bit of drum and bass influence in it but not as you point out as like a full-on fusion between the two would you say would you agree with that yeah because there's there's an, there's a level of interwoven where what I imagine happening is the listener not being able to tell what is organic and what is isn't. Okay. As a result of it, and I think it's that um, morphing between knowing like relatively what is possible in real life and then what is possible within a digital domain, and then obscuring the truth in that way will be quite if done well would be quite addictive to the listener mm-hmm. um so that's it's those ideas that i get like quite um curious about yeah. at the moment uh okay and then kind of slightly going backwards a bit but in in metal in alternative music at the moment what is what is and who are i guess piquing your interest the most well there's there's a lot more drive at the moment in terms of independent diy artists now like uh the access to improved technology in terms of software and cameras and um editing software means that these guys can go out and make whatever they need to to a certain level it's not always amazing but they're able to get their intent across a lot easier mm-hmm. than they used to do a music video and then put it out into the world pretty quickly to see whether people like it it's really close to how um 
the generational wave of hip hop happened when everything was being done in a studio and then the music video was being filmed on a old Sony Handycam. Uh, it's that sort of equivalent that's happening with the, the lower level, like grassroots uh, metal scene, irrespective of country. Mm-hmm. We have access to everything. We're not having to pay people if we don't want to. And the people that are really talented at that do really well. And the people that aren't talented can still be have their songwriting chops highlighted or maybe they're better at cinematography than they are at writing music and you know there's kudos in either direction so there's not it's not really one band in particular it's just a a movement that's happening full stop Mm -hmm. um that i think is quite promising even though considering that we've had probably the worst couple of years for being creative i would have thought One of the other areas that I really wanted to get your insight on um, is the teaching world, okay. the teaching side of things. Uh, I listened to your appearance on the Metal Intent podcast from oh, Joao. from last year, and there were yeah. some interesting insights that you mentioned about your enjoyment of the education side of things, mm-hmm. the teaching side of things, but also your frustration in certain areas uh you're kind of very it's very one-to-one or one-on-one or very kind of to a camera type type of 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 teaching that you're doing at the moment what's your um how how are you finding all that stuff um since then because that was a conversation that you had back in april um is it something that you're keen to progress on what's your uh what's your viewpoint on I guess, you know, the education system for this industry, our industry, for, you know, people who, you know, want to be the next producers. You mean like university yeah. or college? Hmm. Oh, it's fucking shit. Like it's, well, it's I was not, expecting it's not... that, and that's why I'm interested yeah. to see what your opinion is. Um, the reason it's, it's shit I'll keep saying it because it is the perfect word for it. It's so bad. Um, It's so bad because the people that are teaching it are not present in the industry anymore. They were barely present in the industry when they started their job. The reason why they've got that job is because they failed. And so they're teaching the next generation. Would you say failed or just, or would you say that they, they left, they put, their time in the industry matter. behind them okay it doesn't matter the music industry moves so quickly over 12 months yep that you it, it, whether you choose to leave or not i don't mind i'm not trying to get personally attacking anyone but it's more like you stopped cool your reference point is now old you can talk about ancient history mm-hmm. which is fine because that's what it is now and you can teach people using the past, which is a completely viable teaching method, but you cannot use it as a reference point for now. And you definitely cannot use it as a reference point for three years' time when those students are done. That irritates me beyond any any notion. Okay. Because it in, insists that those people could stop their job and reinsert themselves back into the industry and survive, and they wouldn't. They'd have a contact list, but they still wouldn't be able to 
do the things that are now needed of them. They could probably make a record, but they probably wouldn't understand what the hell TikTok is. <laughs> and yeah. just bear in mind, TikTok is now the most used website globally. It's it's overtaking Google in terms of daily searches. Mm-hmm. And that happened in the last year. So if that's happened in one year, a, a new app defeats Google in terms of search uh, hits. It changed the music industry on some aspects. You can't go into an educational institute teaching a curriculum that was designed five to ten years ago and come back in and be like, I'm relevant. You can't. It doesn't work that way. That's mm-hmm. insulting to the people that are still working. So the reason why I get upset or quite um, active and participate quite a lot in this conversation is because when I went to university, the expectation that I was sold was not the experience that I got given. Uh And I think quite a lot of people have that experience when it comes to anything creative because those curriculums can't be attended to at the speed that they need to, which then means that that curriculum fails the student. So the only way for that curriculum to work is to teach the core fundamentals and then teach someone how to be adaptive. Right. Um, And it doesn't do that. The core fundamentals would be if you're faced to be in an analog studio with an SSL in front of you, this is how it all works. And then this is how you put that information into practice. But at no point is anything like, I don't know, time management put into control, financial advice put into control, Mm -hmm. business management put into control. Because when you're a producer, you're a one-person business. You're a sole trader. You have to be accountable. But when you're 21 and you've been either accepted onto third year or kicked out at the second year, which was me, um, you've got nothing. Mm -hmm. And then you go and work at Sainsbury's and you stop, which is exactly what happened to me. Right. And so I get really... It's not. I'm not like people think that when I talk about this, I'm being aggressive. But I, I feel That's really. Passionate. You've been. You've um, been through it. As yeah, well. but it's still not changed. And well, um, there's options now, and I guess you're 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 part of a system that is one of those options. So how do you you know? So the, the URM stuff that you're doing, or you know, the the alternatives to. Um, mm-hmm to you know standardized education do you think that yeah. they are or you know even things like you know the online guitar courses the master classes the skillshare type um platforms do they're not th- perfect but do you think that they are more in the in the realm of something that can be that can be useful i.e you get a current practitioner pointing you in the no. direction and then you have to do the rest yourself and you're kind of much more forced into doing that going that direction yourself not, no because my the reason i'm gonna say no and i i know i work with urm and that's that's because i like those, yeah, those yeah, people and i agree with that company but they also know that i feel like it doesn't tick all the boxes mm-hmm. so i'm just gonna say everything as it is is that if you're at university i'm just gonna go like if you're already at university spending however much it is per year now too much (laughs) the idea that you then need to spend more money in order to fill the gaps to stay relevant makes me feel uncomfortable so i can't advocate for spending more money to fix the thing that you're already spending money on and then i also can't say that uh a course like that fulfills the things that university is excellent at which is 
having a lot of time and face-to-face with other humans trying to achieve something similar mm-hmm. that that's never changed at university that's always been the core fundamental of what makes university a unique experience that i will always tell people to go and have no matter how much i will be unhappy about it is that that discomfort that level of sustained discomfort with other people teaches you so much about yourself Uh that you cannot get it anywhere else at all it's just at all it's so intense for two three years Uh or more that you need it to be able to build up what your core moral values are um, and build up your boundaries anyway that being said those courses are designed through the want to make money and that user base drive the content right as a result of spending money which doesn't always necessarily mean that the thing that gets taught is the right thing because the content creators are making something that is being requested it does and people don't always know what they need right so you're sort of in a catch-22 in in some ways you you have a content application where you can you can make stuff on demand. Like I can make a course in a week for URM quite happily and it will work and they'll be happy with it and it'll get signed off. But the courses that I would like to talk about, no one watches because it isn't sexy. And that's <laughs> literally what, and the, the reason is, is because the amount of people that I have coming up and doing lessons with me going, I want you to help me mix. And I sit with them and I and we talk and I go, well, you don't even know how to record how are you supposed to understand how mixing works if you don't know what you're working with in the first place or what is viable with these sounds? Mm-hmm. And so there's an amount of appreciating or respecting, and this is why I talk about ancient history, respecting how it was done to in order to be able to inform you to how it could be done and then what can be broken as, as a set of rules later down the line. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to unlearn bad habits otherwise. So it's not that we're fortunate to have these digital online courses that fill in the gaps. They're not perfect. It's why I prefer YouTube overall in terms of um, as a platform for education in general, because the, the person that uploads is the person that determines what's going to be made. And you value that channel based upon the way that you invest your time in that person and whether you value what they make. So that could be a channel that just does those really annoying five reasons why you suck at guitar type videos, <laughs> or you can have, and that's the majority, that's 90% of YouTube in terms of like, this is bad or this is good. And this is my opinion. Why you should believe me. Or there are people that, on YouTube that genuinely try and teach you through storytelling and sharing experience and allow you to have a window into their life yeah. and their problems and their weaknesses. And that's where real education exists being able to sit with someone in success or failure and see what they managed to achieve, what they acknowledged along the way and what their starting point was and what the result was can teach you so much more Uh than any of those things. So um, that's where my confidence is, but it requires quite a lot of investment, not just on the person that's telling those stories because you have to, it has to sound good. It has to look good. It has to be structured in a way that, and, and telling stories on in video format is aggressively difficult, yep. especially to keep someone's attention for 10 minutes, which I cannot believe is an achievement at the moment. <laughs> um, but it's true. And 
but that's that's for me where I think at some point you will see a I would be surprised if YouTube didn't buy Skillshare or overdid it and developed another side platform that was based upon storytelling. I would be surprised if that didn't happen and just made it like a library that was just available. And is is that whole system because obviously uh, this this was something else that you that you spoke about on the Metal Intent podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that you are obviously quite passionate about. And from watching your videos on YouTube, it's something that you are doing to, mm-hmm. a, de- to, a, you know, to a degree already. But as you said, you are uh, at the moment uh, available to do things. And then yeah. suddenly you will not be available. So, I mean, has this past few weeks been full of you making making YouTube content that will be... Uh, will be released over the over the coming weeks and months. Is it something like that you to... that you would that you are hoping that you can ramp up? I would like to ramp it up. Uh, I would like to also say yes to that because that was my intention. It's more. I have I have a database where I just write down concepts and ideas, and there's about seventy mm-hmm. ideas in there, and they're all videos that can be made, and I can make each video in about a day. And I'm really aware of this. And that's almost the worst part. I know how easy it is to do now. Okay. And um, realistically, all I need to do is take a week or two out and just do a whole batch and give myself some some leg room on the channel so that I can just get ahead of myself. Because if I did that, I'd have um, three months of content if I just did it every day yep. for two weeks. Uh, but the problem is, is I have to earn money at the same time. <laughs> and um i understand that what what i've (laughs) noticed is that if i'm teaching because i all my lessons are international i teach 5 p.m through till nine most evenings at the moment right and i'm screwed and then i wake up the next morning at six and then i'm to the gym and i get back and then i'm like all i want to do is eat and sit down and i don't really fancy being charismatic at a camera today (laughs) And so like my last lesson of this batch of lessons finishes on Monday the 7th. So I can reevaluate at that point. I'm actually going to BIM uh, on okay, cool. next Thursday. So that might be something that I film and I just talk about as an insight into uh, this is a thing that I did. Have a look. The end. It's not much of a story, but it's just a this this was a I did a thing and I either succeeded or I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um like you know title it telling everyone to quit university for an hour Um, (laughs) nice i'll come along to that one (laughs) yeah um like why university is stealing your money and just everyone's going to be like pulling a face (laughs) um yeah i would like to make more but it's um it's difficult because at the moment everything i do is revolving around myself in my home or myself in my studio and what I would like to be making um, or storytelling with is the action of doing new stuff mm-hmm. because I can, I can make that video, right? I can make that video in my home, in my studio and talk about a new subject. But how many times can I do that before it stagnates? I think it's not, I, I think I can get away with it for a few, but then it's boring and, and I can't, 
I can't comfortably invest into doing something like that where I know that I'm then just making something for the sake of making something. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not why we do music. It's not why how I apply myself in any other aspect of life. So then why would I start to break that rule to be relevant on YouTube? I should make, I should simply just make something when I feel compelled to and then share it when the time's right. The YouTube algorithm just rewards you for being a moron, you know, just constantly uploading and not really thinking about the quality of life that you've got or the quality of what you're making. So my, I'm more comfortable just being like, you know what, this is a good story. I can tell it, I can share it. And I don't feel like I'm going against my uh, core values to do so. But there was, there was a point where I was like, I could just, I could just upload every week and then I'll have numbers. And then there's like this voice at the back of my head and it, it was going like, and then what do you do, mate? Like you get your numbers. Cause I worked out had I uploaded consistently for a week for two years, I'd hit over 50,000 subscribers. Yeah. Probably more than that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. Then I'd have 50,000 subscribers. And then I had no idea what I would do with that. Yes. And I'm like, well, why do I want 50,000 subscribers? Why do I want, like, why is that? Why is that an achievement? I already know that I can do it. So actually, because I know that I could do it, I don't have to do it. The whole point of doing it before was because you didn't know whether you would achieve it or not. But I, I know that I would do it. So then, right, yeah, that's not. It doesn't, and I don't want money from. I don't want money from sponsors. I don't want people to be paying me to talk about stuff that I don't care about, because mm-hmm. then that changes how whether I'm a viable uh, point of information, whether I'm trustworthy, because everyone has a sponsor, and we all immediately internally go, mm, okay. You're saying you're not biased, but come on, <laughs> you know, so it's just, I don't want to be in that position where I need to earn money from something that I genuinely love doing. So, yeah. So you're, you're the reason why you would want to do that is to see if you could rather than where it would take you once you did, I guess is what you're right. trying to say. Um, yeah. Which is an interesting thing because you kind of said, yeah, you get to 50,000 and then what? It's like, well, then you just carry on and right. you carry on uploading three videos mm-hmm. a week or whatever and you get to 100,000 and then you get to so-and-so and then you get so-and-so and then it kind of becomes, the point of it becomes just to do it rather right. than what are you actually trying to achieve. So I guess, I mean, would 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 that change if you, you know, rather than using something like a YouTube that you built it into your own website and what you're doing with your own teaching thing there. So the kind of the, whether it's a paywall or whatever, or the, you know, the email addresses, it comes directly to you. So, you know, it's, it's, you're not, you're not a slave to the algorithm and things like that. Yeah. But like having a paywall or a mailing list is still another version of commerce. Um, I don't want to make stuff in order to earn money off it. I just want to make stuff. Okay. And so, it's more the psychological um, reward that you get as a result of uploading more because YouTube goes, ha look at what we can do if you actually put some effort in. Mm-hmm. And all I, all I want to do, and I've been talking with a few different companies about this at the moment, is, is closer to uh, storytelling like on a journalism okay. level, if I, if I do it properly. Yep. 
it's you know these so i'm gonna like make a segue but you'll you'll see in a second i don't know if you've ever watched someone's like uh, some of these cinematographers that do videos where they they've, they've just gone to a new country and they don't talk over the video they just show you what they've experienced right and it's it'll be these 20 minute long videos of anything and everything just shot in a way that you're being shown a story visually and you're being you're allowed a moment of escapism through what they're showing you and it's their personality being portrayed visually through what they're looking at and what they're experiencing and it's a really interesting experience and i always loved that idea of showing that but for music okay and the experience of and that can be anywhere that doesn't that's not just like being in a recording studio because that's like the least that's the lowest hanging branch of that idea but it's it's the progression of if it was the progression of a song from conceptualization to actually playing it that's a far more compelling story especially if you see three acts visually without a narrator and you get to experience that and it's closer to that uh, narrative driven fly on the wall but just like you're being shown the moments where the things either go well or go badly and then you see the release and at the end and that's a far more interesting visual narrative Mm -hmm. that you would sit with and then I started talking and that's something that I would love to be able to do, but it requires so it would take me such a long time to achieve that in and amongst my job, uh, not being paid to do it. And then I started talking to, I've spoken with one company and we're going to give it a, a go. Cool. I asked and I was talking with them and I was saying, why, why aren't, cause you sell, they sell hardware. I was yeah. like, I said, it always confused me why audio companies don't sell based upon, um, what their stuff allows someone to do okay um for example uh you person buys your product they already know it does one thing there's probably something that they're going to learn about it or be creative with that allows them to do something that was completely unexpected that only your product can achieve Mm -hmm. that is a far more interesting story than how many whatever it has numbers leds anything that story of you enabled someone to be creative is a far more interesting story than anything else why aren't you selling on that why aren't you focusing on that the the rather than the video manual the the story of yeah how someone played with Mm -hmm. with a with a product and found found a direction yeah yeah because you know you're because then you the person that's evaluating that thing is then going I might have a thing like that. That might be my story. I could, I could be special. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're going to give it a go. I don't know what it's going to look like, but that's when I say music journalism, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like that. What are you excited about that you're working on? in 2022 that you are in a position that you can talk about <laughs> that face suggests not a lot <laughs> i.e not a lot that you can talk about yeah um it's not there there are there are things that are conversations that aren't confirmed but i've had two or three calls now where i'm like if this happens 
this would be really fun. Let's let's tweak the question slightly, saying that what bands should I okay. should those of us who listen to this um, who uh, should we be checking out this year? Oh, Who's right, got okay. stuff coming out that you're excited about? Whether it's because you just love them as an artist, or whether it's because you have worked with them in the past, are working with them. Um. So what I can say is I've got records with a band called Banks Arcade, Monuments, and Thornhill coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Very excited about Everything. the Monuments track, um, Monuments record. Oh yeah, the new singles tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. It's not it's not my favourite one off the album, but it's you know they're saving the, the good never ones. Is. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, they're they're saving the good ones. Like my favourite really is the opening track of the album. Right. No, it's not. It's track nine and track four and track one. <laughs> track ten is good too. Um, so, just quickly, you know, how do, how does how did that project come about? Was that was that them reaching out to you? Um, honest truth, I bullied John Brown daily. Fair enough. As a joke, because I was like, "Is your album done yet?" He's like, no. I said, what about now? He said, no. And then I said, so who's mixing it? I said, oh, we think we'll get this person. It's like, why? Like, That's no point. But I'm here. <laughs> nice, nice. I remember um, I, I, I haven't spoken to ages and ages and ages and ages and ages and he's and he's gone. But I was I was in bands in the Cambridge era area and Northampton era when John was in, fell silent. Uh-huh. So I kind of always been interested in whatever he's been doing and all that yes. sort of stuff so yeah i'm that's that's why i'm such a big fan of of monuments and, and that because it's my it's, my knowledge of him and his talents have have gone go yeah, way back a good guy. i mean they're all they're all really nice people yeah but um no i i took my chance and i got i i just said just i'm gonna have a swing at it and so they let me have a swing at it and i turned the mix in it was lavos so the first single that they sent out the other uh, couple of months ago, yeah. I, I turned that in within about three hours of getting the files. Um, and I got told an hour later that I had the gig. So that was just, again, most of this stuff comes back, you know, we're going to go full circle now, comes back around to that intuition with talking to people. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I just trust my gut instinct with when I'm talking to people, whether they would be receptive to me being an asshole about talking about that sort of stuff, but not having to be delicate um, and just making a joke out of it. Because nine times out of 10, it's not going to hurt anyone. And the likelihood is that they've not even thought about you or considered that you'd be interested. And it's not because they don't like you. It's just because they don't think anyone cares about their stuff. So you kind of got, you could just got to take the shot, honestly, and be a bit cheeky. Nice one. George, thank you so much for chatting to me today. I really, really appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time. That's okay. Thank you for being flexible with starting the call. (laughs) That's all right.
massive thanks there to George uh, for talking to me. As I said at the beginning, it was a really interesting conversation. He actually is based not too far away from me, so it was nice to make that connection. Check out his stuff via his website, g1productions.com, or find him on Instagram at georgelever underscore g1, or check out his YouTube channel, or rather, and check out his YouTube channel. Just search for George Lever. Do check out some of the stuff that George has worked on um, over the past few years. A um, few highlights for me. Uh, he's been working with Monuments on their new stuff. So their latest stuff is all with him. Check that out. Monuments are a great UK-based progressive metal band. Uh, George also works with Lowe's. He also works with a few lesser-known uh, UK acts. So check out Ursus, U-R-S-U-S. Check out Kubrick. That guy's doing some amazing things. We spoke about him in the in the pod. And do check out Poisonous Birds as well. Uh, the music for the podcast is by Bloompool. Uh, do check out his stuff on Spotify. He's got a couple of albums and a few EPs for you to check out. Uh, the track that I'm using at the moment on the podcast is from his 2020 album, A Soul on Fire. Also check out his Moonlight Sessions playlist that he curates for uh, a whole range of different kind of dream pop, atmospheric, instrumental music. Um, and find him on Instagram at bloom.pool. You can get in touch with me via email at behindthebusiness.com pod at gmail.com go to my website dcmusicpublishing.co.uk find me on instagram at dcmusicpublishing or find me on twitter at danny champion i've got a few more of these to come uh, then i'm going to take a short break in order to make some more and do some the bits and pieces Uh, so until then thank you very much for listening and i will speak at you very very soon